Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the fire. Welcome to the fire, boys. My name is Parker McDonald. And I'm Walter Lee, and we'll be your hosts on this episode of the Southern Collective Hunting Podcast. If you're a new hunter trying to learn the basics, or you're a veteran woodsman just trying to get through your workday, there's always a place at our campfire for you. Speaking of the fire, we would love it if you guys would join our growing Patreon community and be a part of the best and only digital deer camp south of Mason Dixon Line. Come on. If you'd like and learn more, click on the link in the show notes. But for now, Walt, welcome, welcome to, to the fire. fire. Hey, welcome back to another ground of the Southern Collective Podcast. As uh, y'all probably can tell, there's a different voice uh, behind the mic starting this one off. Um, I'll be kind of hosting this podcast tonight. Uh, Matthew Reeves here. Unfortunately, Walt, Parker, and Brett are both busy. They're all either vacationing, anniversary, or uh, having a new baby, which will, uh, if y'all didn't know, Brett and his wife welcomed a new baby boy into the world last week. So we're really excited for him. He's trying to get used to getting bottles ready and staying up all night and just being being a dad. But I, I believe that he's going to be a good dad. But uh, anyways, with all of that, we uh, wanted to bring you all an episode uh, this week um, highlighting one of our Patreon members and uh, where he is from. Their season opened up last week, I believe, and they uh, hit the woods hard. We had a lot of kills in the Patreon group, but one really stuck out to us. And uh, it's Cole, Cole Fleeman. He uh, killed a really good deer. We're going to kind of discuss through that, learn a little bit about Cole. But uh, Cole, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Uh, doing good. Can't complain. It's uh, it's almost the weekend. Wish I could go hunting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, having sure. one in the cooler uh, definitely uh, makes it a little easier to 
lay low off hunting for a for a week. <laughs> I, I was I was about to ask, are you going to go this weekend? Uh, there's a possibility, but uh, I think I might stay home and do some honeydews and earn myself some brownie brownie points for uh, later in the season. I, I understand. I, I remember you were talking. You said uh, I, I thought I was good shooting that one, and then you I think you had another buck like coming in and replace him. Another pretty good buck, and you were like, "Man, I got to go kill him too." Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, uh, but two nights after uh, the morning I shot my buck, a new buck that we never even had on camera before showed up. Uh, real nice eight point, has a little one inch drop tine on one side, and uh, real unique, cool looking buck, and immediately got the itch going again. So it's uh, <laughs> people always try to say, yeah, people always try to say, you know, why. Like I've had people ask me, you, you kill one, are you not satisfied? Like, no, the, there's like the hunger that to, to keep going back. So that's uh that's pretty interesting that you had one just just show back up that quick. But Cole, um, tell uh, any new listeners kind of about yourself, uh, where you're from, kind of maybe even what you do. I know we've talked a little bit about your pig trapping and dog tracking, but if you could just give us a little rundown uh, about that real quick. Yeah, um, I'm from Pasco. Well, I'm from Pinellas County, Florida, but uh, reside in Pasco County now. Um, I work full time for a pest control company and I have a side business, um, Southern Wildlife uh, Removal. And we focus mainly on commercial hog removal. So for HOAs, CDDs, uh, basically neighborhoods. Um that started probably 10, 12 years ago now. And uh, we've kind of grown over the years and um, started off as a hobby where we did it for free. And then um, a couple of the accounts that we picked up along the way uh, got a little bit more serious about their subcontractors and uh, approached me and asked if I was um, interested in starting a business that I could uh, perform the work, but under their criteria. So I, after consideration, I pulled the trigger, started a business, got insurance, um, and uh, started making money doing it. So that was a pretty cool transition in life right there. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, going pretty well there. I've uh, born and raised in Florida, been hunting in Florida pretty much the last 12, 13 years now, and uh, I can't get enough of it. Love it. Now, you, you say you can't get enough of it. I've heard you say a lot of times you'd like to move up north, but you don't like the cold weather. Is that right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. If uh, if I don't have to worry, I mean, our winters here are really mild. I mean, if we see 30 degrees, it's not but for a day or two before it warms back up. And uh, those 30 degree days, I I love hunting in them for a little bit, but as soon as I get cold, I'm ready to call it quits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go get go get back in that heated heated house or heated truck and, and warm up a little bit. Well, Cole, it's yeah. you know from from us talking here, we've talked a little bit on polo. You know, to, to really hear your story, that's pretty interesting about the uh, the hog trapping. Uh, and, and how it's grown. Um, I've, I've shot my fair share of hogs. I've never trapped hogs. Um, but it seems like it could be neat, but 
it, it's cool to see how somebody had a hobby and then it turned into a, you know, a, a paying job. A lot of times you don't see that with hobbies, whether it be hunting, golf, fishing, you know, that, that doesn't happen a lot of times. So that, that's encouraging to see um, that it happened with you. Um, now, now our connection is through SoCo, through the Patreon. Um, when I joined on with SoCo, you know, you, you're one of those guys. And uh, for, for some reason, I, I, I connect, you know, sometimes you have guys you connect with and sometimes it's kind of like, oh, the, you know, they're not 100% like me. And that, that's no, that's normal. But I don't know, I guess from our conversations, I felt like we've kind of connected. We kind of like like some of the same things. But um, when did you join the Patreon account? Um, I believe this is year two. I think I joined, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, <clears throat> right before the season started in 2021. Okay. Somewhere in that time range. That's so been about two years now. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't even been on a yep. year and just to see see what's all there and the advice and you talk a lot about blood blood trailing. So how what do you have one or two dogs now that you do blood trailing with? Um, um I just have the one I'm training right now. Um Okay. I I worked my last dog for 4 years about four years on, on track and he got into it pretty well. I got into it pretty late in his life. And, uh, we got four years of some, uh, good blood trailing and yeah, it was fun. And I grew a passion for that probably more than I actually enjoy hunting myself. So, uh, after he passed, uh, I couldn't wait to get another dog. And now I have one, he's a eight month old German short pointer and, well, we worked all off season. Uh, well, from the time he was able to focus on something, mm-hmm. uh, started working him and he's shown a lot of potential. We actually went on our first track last night and, uh, it was recovery. Um, so that was awesome. He did way better than I anticipated. So I'm, I'm real happy with his progress. Shoot, man. I, I try to tell people I, I had a duck dog and I, I trained her to duck duck hunt, but there, I don't know if there's anything more satisfying in life than actually training a dog um, and putting that work in, whether it be obedience or just their natural ability. Like that's so, so rewarding to see it, you know, pan out. Like, like you said, that was your first recovery the other night. And just to see that journey kind of from what y'all worked in this whole off season to that point uh, pay off. So you yeah. were you were bringing us along for that uh that track and that was that was pretty awesome and how how dogs can work but man let's get to the real reason why we're here tonight um all right you were able to put some points on the board for the whippersnappers in our deer contest <laughs> and it was nope. the open opening hunt was it it was your first sit it was opening morning right Yes, sir. Yep, opening morning. Fifteen. God, you bringing back flashbacks. I love an opening morning. Um, but man, kind of tell us your hunting situation. Like, are are you hunting? I know you hunt some public. You hunt some private. In between, like, what was your kind of game plan for this season? You you told me you have you have two kids, so you're busy with your kids. You're busy with your job. Like, how did you kind of set yourself up? 
to where you thought you had a chance on opening morning? So with the two kids, it definitely uh, puts a damper in your time in the woods as far as scouting and, um, you know, just getting out there and seeing what's going on. So uh, I went into this season mainly aiming towards private property other than the public land quotas that I got um, drawn for. So, and those are all places that I'm real familiar with and super confident. And so I have a good lead for those spots. So I don't have to spend as much time, but I really wanted to work on the private property this whole off season, which is what we did. I mean, we um, did a lot of hog management out there as well because it's overran with pigs and those pigs will drive those deer out so quick. So just about every opportunity that I got, um, I'd go down and uh, shoot as many pigs as I possibly could. Uh, me and a couple buddies were pretty regular with going down there and, and just keeping tabs on them. But uh, yeah, that was my game plan was just basically set up the private property because it's it's a easy easier thing to just go to when I get the chance mm-hmm. instead of, uh, you know, hunting, hunting, you know, a, a quota free WMA that, um, I would probably have to go and spend quite a bit of time scouting and, and pinpointing, which is one of my favorite things to do, which is a bummer because I love public land. I, you know, I got into hunting on public land. So that was my main focus for the first I guess you can say nine years of my hunting career before I had kids was public land, public land, public land. Yeah. I never actually had any private to even hunt. So, uh, but yeah, that was just give me the best opportunity at killing some deer this season where um, I do all the work off season and during season, I get to kind of just, you know, reap the, uh, the rewards. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got a question real quick. Um, with your yeah. hog trapping and everything with the, you know, you're, you're trapping on private property. Do you ever get any like private access for hunting through your hog jobs? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so some, some of the accounts are a little bit more strict than others. Um, some of them don't care. They basically just give you free reign as long as, uh, you're not, you know, doing anything too dangerous, like shooting mm-hmm. rifles through the woods. And, you know, so basically we have a rule where we only bow hunt. So yeah, uh, between just depending on the size of the property, you know, we have some accounts that are super small, 10 acre blocks. Um, and then we have accounts that have, you know, two to 400 acres of woods that we can hunt. Mm-hmm. So we basically, figure out what we're, what the land manager's okay with, and then we'll go from there. So, um, the particular property that I did shoot the buck on, uh, opening morning is one of the accounts and we don't charge them a penny for our services in exchange for allowing us to remove the pigs. They let us do a little bit of deer hunting. So, it's uh it's a win-win for us because we love shooting pigs and trapping pigs and however we can get them out we'll get them out and in return we get to shoot some really nice deer god that that's awesome i 
I know you, you always hear like, how do you, like people are like, how do I get a private land property when, you know, there's so many leases out there now, like it's hard to get your foot in. And even if you do get your foot in, you're paying, you know, out the wazoo uh, just to be able to hunt, you know, a couple hundred acres. Yeah. But like from what you're saying, like you're, you're providing a service one for these landowners and then, you know, you're doing it, doing it for free so you can hunt. Like, if you're able to provide a service for somebody, they're going to be a lot more likely to let you hunt their property rather than you just going up and going, Hey, can I, you know, hunt your property for no cost? Um, so that man, that's, that's awesome yep. to, to hear that because like I, I'm a forester. So I'll tell people that, you know, I'll do land management stuff and put their land and certification programs and stuff like that. And that works. But to to do the hog stuff and people you know they want the hogs gone and they they don't really care that much about deer but people don't understand how destructive hogs are they are they are nasty creatures yeah oh they're terrible I, I mean they'll every food plot like I used to go down south well I, I lived in Florida for a little while and one of the public pieces I hunted on they was just covered like I mean you thought you saw deer sign under an oak tree and that was just you know it was nothing but hog sign. But, um, but anyways, oh, yeah. uh, with, with permission stuff. So you've, you gained this access through trapping hogs. So you, you've got the place you need to hunt. How, when, when did you, did you locate this book? I think you'd had them on camera for a little while. Is that right? Yes. So the way that this property lays out is it actually backs up to a pretty good size preserve. Um, and it's a real small bottleneck where it actually meets up to the preserve. So we stay away from that. That allows the deer to come into the property a little bit further. And um, basically, and this is coming from somebody who loves to hunt public land, hunting over feeders. I'm not, you know, I'm not dogging on it whatsoever because I do it and I'm shooting the deer, shooting the deer to me. Um, but it's, it's definitely a, a newer thing, but running the feeders year round and getting those deer used to them is, uh, is the key. Um, that was basically our key all off season. I think I even posted in the polo, a couple of clips of, uh, sitting in the stand and hog hunting and having really nice bucks come in. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he was just one of those strays that, that showed up out of nowhere um he stuck around for i think it was about two weeks before season started and um there's four or five different doe groups that kind of hang out in that block and i think he was just kind of hanging out with that one kind of laying laying claim to him because it's probably anything else they're rutting hard in there so um my buddy and I that hunt the property, he was going to hunt one stand, had a couple bucks showing up, and I was going to hunt another stand that had that buck and a couple other smaller bucks. And um, we were just hoping for the best. Uh, Friday before the weekend opener, we didn't have a single buck show up to any of the stands. So mm. par for the course, day before season, they know what's going on somehow some way and uh yeah i got lucky he uh he was the only deer that showed up on any camera that morning now y'all are running cell cameras right yes yeah so that's the bad (laughs) that's the bad part about cell cameras because 
it probably if it wasn't opening day and you were itching to hunt, you probably wouldn't have gone in there because he disappeared, right? You broke up there at the end. Yeah, I said if you if you had cell cameras and you saw that that deer wasn't in there, if it wasn't opening day, you probably wouldn't have gone in there to hunt. Um, no, I probably would have. You would have. Okay, <clears throat> that's Me, the one thing about cameras. I'm the other way. I'd be like, man, I got to go somewhere else. Yeah. Well, it, you know, that that's the beauty of hunting a spot um, all off season for pigs mm-hmm. is um, you kind of get a lay of, of the land and you figure out all the, the game trails. So <clears throat> just because they're not on camera doesn't mean that they're not 20 yards on the other side of the stand. And one thing about the deer in that property is <clears throat> off season eat the rutting they will not show up to the feeders so that's why we wanted to hunt opening weekend because last season we weren't prepped for deer hunting whatsoever in there Mm -hmm. Uh, we had way too many pigs we were more focused on getting as many pigs as we can get out of there so we didn't really pay any attention sorry um, we didn't pay any attention to the to the deer for the first half of the season because the pigs were so bad. But um, <clears throat> we figured out where all the game trails were. So just because they're not showing up on camera doesn't mean that they're not walking right past the tree stands. I, I think we need to get a recording of that and play it like 10 times over and over when we go to like pick a spot. Yeah. Because so so many people including myself or that way um they just get get honed in um so cole let's let's take a deep dive actually into the hunt and kind of what what happened so you knew this buck was in here you knew he was hanging out with doe groups like did you need a certain wind to to hunt area or were you just going to hunt it regardless and then how how did the morning kind of play out (laughs) yeah so yeah, I mean, I was going to go in there one way or the other <clears throat> because at the end of the day, it's still our job to shoot pigs. So I was too fired up to not go. I actually had probably the worst win that you could have asked for for that spot. Really? But there was no, yeah, it, this, the way the spot sets up is I need a win basically directly out of the north or I need a uh, wind coming out of the north northwest so one of those two is basically the only way that that spot produces well uh, um <clears throat> from west and of course opening morning we had about a six mile an hour east wind at 7 a.m <laughs> so um yeah i mean it was absolutely terrible for that that setup but the pigs come in from any direction um, typically if they wind you, they'll just circle and come in from the other direction. So I didn't care. I was there. It was opening morning. There was no way I was going to miss it. We didn't have any deer on camera Friday. So I just assumed, Hey, it's the worst that's going to happen. So, um, <clears throat> got into the stand about, I guess it was about five thirty-five forty-five. 45, about 20, 30 minutes into the sit. I could hear pigs behind me. Um, and I thought for sure it was the same group that showed up every single morning. And they ended up getting downwind, smelling me, and just moving off. And 
which was good. Um, good and bad. I mean, it was still dark, so I couldn't shoot them anyways, but uh, good that they left. That means that if a deer comes in, they're not going to be worried about the pigs. They're going to come right in, do their thing. It's going to be great. Um, so I sat uh, about first light. <clears throat> the squirrel started going crazy, which is typical in there for when a pack of pigs is coming. So I was getting ready. Uh, it was still real dark and nothing ever ended up coming in. So uh, I kind of got relaxed and uh, I'm guilty of, you know, checking polo every uh, once in a while. So I was on the Marco Polo looking to see if anybody got uh, got lucky already. You know, that first light to light and uh, nothing was going on there. Or actually, no, I lied. Um, <clears throat> I think it was too tall. Shot a buck. Yeah. And I was looking at, I was watching his polo and I could just hear something off in the distance. So I just put my phone away and uh, I'm just sitting there and I look to my left and he's, he's already underneath me like 15 yards. I don't know how he snuck in the way Man. he did. And he is directly, yeah, directly downwind. So <clears throat> I see him. He's off to my left, so it's already it's perfect. I don't have to stand up. I can just draw back. Um, I wait for him to uh, put his head down. He puts his head down, turns broadside. I get the bow up, get it ready. Um, as soon as I knew he wasn't going to catch me, I draw the bow back, and uh, he. As soon as I was about to squeeze up the trigger. I noticed that he moved, so I took my eye off the peep and I looked over at him, and he was quartering to me again. <clears throat> so I kind of just set the bow down, held the bow back the whole time, and uh, <clears throat> I could tell he wasn't about, you know, he wasn't planning on turning broadside anytime soon. He was kind of just checking everything out. Uh, <clears throat> he eventually picked his head up and almost looked right at me. And then I think there was a pig behind me and he turned to look at that. When he did that, he like telescoped his head as high as he could, you know, stretch his neck mm -hmm. and look that direction. And I, I'm not a big uh, fan of a frontal shot. Um, <clears throat> I've had really good success with it and really bad. So I was iffy on it and I didn't even know that it was the buck that I ended up killing. I thought it was a little bit of a smaller buck that we've had on camera in the past. Um, that has a really big body, but you know, smaller basket rack, nine point, uh, nothing crazy, probably a 60, 70 inch buck. I mean, small rack. And, uh, I couldn't help it. I mean, when he telescoped his neck, it was just like a perfect, perfect target. So I ended up shooting him about midway up his neck um, punched through a lung, the liver, and, and came out right in the belly about mid, mid body. Dang. And, uh, he, he did, yeah, he did a big mule kick, ran right underneath me. I watched him run, never heard him crash. Um, it, I felt really, really good about the shot. I think I even said in the polo group, I, I was like, man, I, I know I, I hit him hard. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, I couldn't see the arrow laying there, so I wasn't real sure. I figured the frontal shot, you know, I probably hit something um, to stop the arrow. And uh, just waited, waited about an hour. Um, <clears throat> as you can tell, I'm getting over a cough. So I held a cough in all morning. So after I shot him, I just couldn't help it. I was so jacked up. I just started <laughs> coughing, and I'm like, well, my hunt's over, you know. 
there's no point in staying seated. So I got down and uh, just walked the track about 30 yards total. Uh, just kind of getting an idea on what happened, see if I could find blood. Well, I ended up finding a little bit of blood and I found my arrow um, covered in gut, which I expected because of the shot, um, <clears throat> which was a good sign, actually. It tells me that I actually went through the center of the body and not down the side or something. Right. Um, as soon as the arrow came out, he started pouring blood out. So I was super confident after that. Uh, ended up backing out. My buddy lives right down the road that hunts out there with me and he's got blood trailing dogs. So he wanted to put his dogs on it just to give them a confidence builder, you know, plus at the end of the day, we weren't even sure, you know, how far the deer ran, if there was going to be blood, you know, coming out the guts, the guts tend to, to clog the, the exit. So, um, we just played it safe. So I ran over, got the dogs. He met me back at the spot afterwards and um, <clears throat> dogs got on it, took it about that's 60 yards further from where I stopped. It was about a 80 yard track total. And uh, they brought us to a dead deer and he was a lot bigger than what I anticipated. <laughs> yeah, he had he had some junk on his bases like he was he was a dang good deer. Yeah, yeah, no, he uh he he's got a really nice side, five on one side. Um, and then the other side, I don't know if he had an injury. I didn't see one when I, when I cleaned them, but, uh, the other side of his rack, he just had the, uh, you know, three points. So he had three, he had a brow and a G2 in the main beam. And then he had two more brows that aren't quite an inch, but, um, they count for the, uh, yeah, you can hang the, a ring uh, on them. Patreon deer contest. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's all yeah. I cared about. <laughs> ele- 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 eleven points. I, I think you tried to put in there nine points, and we were like, "No, <laughs> that's got eleven points. We need those yeah, two yep. extra points." So that man, that's yep, yep. that's that, yeah, I pointed that's, it out, but it uh it plays out, man, and that's that's awesome that your opening morning hunt played out the way it did. Um, did did you uh? you were saying the wind was wrong or anything. Did you, did you forget anything going in? Like I know a lot, like for myself, I'm usually a cluster when I, when I go in, did you, did you have everything you needed? Yeah, no, I, I had, uh, the whole day before to, uh, prep. Cause I actually ended up calling out of work. So <laughs> I, uh, I re- yeah. made sure that my, yeah, I made sure I had my backpack full of everything that I could possibly need. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was a really just simple hunt. I mean, I everything was perfect. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you were on the, the group last year, but um, I actually hunted that same spot last season. And it was, <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken, it was a little later in the year. And I had already flung so many arrows at pigs and deer. I was down to two arrows. And um, <laughs> long story short, two arrows wasn't enough for that sit because uh i missed a buck twice climbed down to go grab my arrows was only able to find one got back up in the tree with that one arrow and then ended up shooting a buck about 40 minutes at you know 40 minutes later a completely different buck that was wounded 
I don't know what happened to him, but yeah, it was, it was absolutely wild. And if I wasn't, you know, if I was prepared, that would have been one of the craziest hunts of my life. But uh, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately I should not. <laughs> yeah. Need yeah. More I hit that buck, second one. And, and um, yeah, yeah. I hit that second buck and he, he kind of bedded down behind me about 40 yards and I just grazed him, but he, he was, I don't know what was wrong with him. He came in limping. Um, he actually came in with a hog, a big boar hog. Like they were buddies. They came in side by side. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. But um, yeah, if I had a second arrow when I after the second deer, I would have definitely been able to, 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 to harvest him. But we put a dog on him and everything, and he was long gone. Dogs didn't even want to track him. So that tells us that uh, he wasn't mortally wounded. He was just uh, taking a break, I think. I just had to rest. Uh, yeah, him and that pig were probably taking care of each other, making sure they had plenty of food, guarding, guarding the feeders and taking out all the corn. Yeah, I, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. God, God. Well, Cole, man, I appreciate you coming on here and tell, telling your story. That's, uh, you know, to do, to do it in Florida is one thing, and then to do it on opening day, that's another, man. So um, I, I've said it in polo, but, man, congrats again um you know you live on that high for a while but you you know you still got a long season to go and a lot more deer to kill so a lot more deer a lot more pigs um quick question quick question before we end um this has just kind of been on my mind but how many pigs do you think you uh eradicate each year (laughs) oh my goodness if you're not Um, comfortable if you're not comfortable saying that's fine but I'm, i'm just curious you know, I told myself I was going to start keeping a log, um, but I just never do. I would say typically in a year, you know, just just myself, probably a couple to hundred. Hold on, say say that again. You broke up for a second. Yeah, I would. I would say probably anywhere from one to 300 a year god man that's that's crazy and yeah deal with them well you're you're making an impact on the uh, hog population and the deer population as well so uh watch out and uh man i hope you have a good season but until then we will continue our podcast and continue our soco stuff so next time you see us throw a log on the fire and we'll talk to y'all later